Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast. As we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Good morning. Job 34, 1 through 33 says, Elihu continued, So my fine friends, listen to me and see what you think of this. Isn't it just common sense as common as the sense of taste to put our heads together and figure out what's going on here? We've all heard, heard Joe say, I'm in the right, but God won't give me a fair trial. When I defend myself, I'm called a liar to my, to my face. I've done nothing wrong and I get punished anyway. Have you ever heard anything to beat this? Does nothing phase this man, Joe? Do you think he spends too much time in bad company hanging out with the wrong crowd so that now he's parroting their line? It doesn't pay to try to please God. Your veterans in dealing with these matters certainly were of one mind on this. It's impossible for God to do anything evil. No way can the mighty one do wrong. He makes us pay for exactly what we've done. No more, no less. Our chickens always come home to roost. It's impossible for God to do anything wicked, for the mighty one to subvert justice. He's the one who runs the earth. He cradles the whole world in his hands. If he decides to hold his breath, every man, woman, and child would die for lack of air. So Job, use your head. This is all pretty obvious. Can someone who hates order keep order? Do you dare condemn the righteous, mighty God? Doesn't God always tell it like it is, exposing corrupt rulers and scoundrels and criminals? Doesn't he play favorites with, does he play favorites with the rich and famous? And slight the poor? Isn't he equally responsible for everybody? Don't people who deserve it die without notice? Don't wicked rulers tremble to their doom when the so-called great ones are wiped out? We know God is working behind the scenes. He has his eyes on every man, every woman. He doesn't miss a trick. There is no night dark enough, no shadow deep enough to hide those who do evil. God doesn't need to gather any more evidence. Their sin is an open and shut case. He disposes the so-called high and mighty without asking questions and replaces them at once with others. Nobody gets by with anything. Overnight judgment is signed, sealed, and delivered. He punishes the wicked for the wickedness out in the open where everyone can see it because they quit following him no longer even though about him or his ways. Their apostasy was announced by the cry of the poor, the cry of the afflicted, and God paid attention. If God is silent, what's that to you? If he turns his face away... What can you do about it? But whether silent or hidden, he's there ruling so that those who hate God won't take over and ruin people's life. So why don't you, pay, why don't you simply confess to God? Say, I've sinned, but I'll sin no more. Teach me to see what I still don't see. Whatever evil is done, I'll do it no more. Just because you refuse to live on God's terms, do you think he should start living on yours? You choose. I can't do it for you. Tell me what you decide. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, for your word, your perfect word. We ask that you bring to light this morning the areas that are needed in each and every one of our lives so that we can have a substantial relationship, so that we can have guidance, we can have direction, we can achieve greater intimacy with you and your spirit, so that we'll have that firm foundation. And not only we can have a firm foundation, but we can build upon it and our lives will grow in you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. <clears throat> We'd like to thank each and every one of you for worshiping with us, joining us this morning. Um, <clears throat> and we were in Job last week also, 
And I think Job is one of them books that we, when you begin to read it, you read it with some sensitivity. And I, I want to explain that, but, you know, the first thing we find, if we go to Job 1.1, we find out that Job was an upright man. Job was, Job was a devout man. You know, he, he, had, a, he had a relationship with God, a, a strong, secure relationship with God. So much to where if we, if we read on, we find out that not that, not that it, just men noticed it, that others around noticed it, but that God himself noticed it. And when Satan was, was, was coming through and it, God knew what he was aware of, he, he told Satan, he said, why don't you take a look at my servant Job? Why don't you recognize him? Well, and so we, we read in the very beginning, but then as the book progresses, we we find Job asking God questions, which we can relate to because we want to know certain things. We want to know certain things. But then when we get, you know, thir- in, in chapters 32, 33, 34, and 35, you know, his friends condemn him, and then they leave him. And then this young, this, this young person of wisdom who is not even supposed to, to, to understand what these elders do, he speaks up. You know, the thing is this morning, whether whether we agree with what Elihu is saying. You know, and we read this book with sensitivity because we, we know that Job wanted to, we, 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 Job wanted to understand. You know, and he says, well, Lord, I'm righteous. And then Elihu tells him, he says, who are you to tell the Lord that you're righteous? Which he brings up a really good point. Who are we? You know, and we have to understand this is in the Old Testament. And then when Paul writes his letters to the churches, he says, well, what is our righteousness like? You know, and haven't we all sinned? You know, so see, we're, we're reading this from, a, from, a, from the New Testament perspective this morning. And sometimes what I'm saying is we see it differently than Elihu and Job and his friends. You know, we, we've, been great, we've been given greater, greater vision to look, look into this. Where it was obvious that, that Job did love the Lord. Loved the Lord so much and he loved his family that if we keep reading in chapter 1... That he thought that his children might be sinning, so what would he do after they got done with their parties? He would make sacrifices for them. But we also know through the Old Testament is, is that that relationship has to be individually. No one can do that for us. But in John this morning, or in Job this morning, whether it's John writing letters to the church, whether it is Elihu speaking to Job about the situation he's in, that he doesn't really agree with it, that he doesn't understand. And Job is searching, trying to find out where he's wrong. And Elihu is, is, is telling him, he says, Job, he said, telling, saying that you're righteous and asking for a fair trial, what does, he says, just, just look at who you're, of, of who you're trying to prove that you're righteous to, the most righteous one of all, the one that, the one that guarantees your righteousness. You know, and when, and, and when we begin to look at that, we, get a, we begin to give a perspective on, on what Elihu is saying. And like I said, whether we, we 100%, I don't, I don't want to say agree with it, but you know, if, if, if we grasp what's going on between him and Job, because it's really easy to put ourselves and, and feel sorry for Job. Because Job was afflicted, Job went through a lot, and, and, and God was using his servant he was pretty much turning around what the devil wanted, wanted 
to use is wrong and making good out of it. And we understand in our lives so many times that God has done that for each and every one of us. But Joe went through a lot of suffering to prove his point. But in doing so, what Elihu was telling him and what John is telling us this morning is pretty much the same thing. And I read that out of the message this morning because it just gave a different perspective. And we're going to go back to the Holman when we break these verses down a little bit later. But in verses 31 through 33... He says, why don't you simply confess to God? He tells this to Job. Say, I've sinned, but I'll sin no more. Teach me to see what I still don't see and what evil I've done. I'll do it no more. Just because you refuse to live on God's terms, do you think he should start living on yours? You choose. I can't do it for you. You must decide. You know, and he brings up a really good point. You know, it's, it's easy to say that we serve God. It's easy to say that God is in control. It's easy to say, I'll do whatever you want. But what Elihu is telling Job is, what about when you don't agree with it? What about when you don't understand it? Teach me to see what I still don't see. Whatever evil I've done, I'll do it no more. And see, Elihu is saying the same thing John is writing about. And what John wants us to realize this morning, it's not an issue what Elihu is trying to get Job to understand is, is it's not an issue of, of having things that are hidden. It's not an, it's, it's not an issue, it's, it's, I'm righteous. It's not about that. And that's what John's saying. In fact, John is going to tell us this morning, we better be careful, just like Elihu told Job, of declaring how righteous we are, because sometimes in declaring that we're righteous, we might not be as righteous as we think. And it's, not just, it's just not finding out that we're not as righteous as we think when those hidden things are revealed. If we live by the wrong example, John says we're actually calling God a liar. And see, those are, those are some tough words to swallow also this morning. You know, we look at what Elihu tells Job, and it's like, man, this is just, this is kind of harsh treatment for a man who has, who has gone through so much. But Elihu, we have to understand in the position that he's writing, he's telling Job, he says, look, Job, I want you to understand these are, these are not my words. He says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a man. I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm in no position to judge you myself. Obviously, you are devout. Obviously, you know, God is, God is doing something, regardless of whether you're your friends. You know, Elihu speaks, and, you know, after he's, Job's friends left him hopeless. But he says, Job, just consider this. It's not about how righteous you are. It's not about a fair trial and proving that you're just. Why don't you just tell God the same thing John is saying this morning that revealed a sin. If there is something, God, just show me. And don't just show me. I'll do it no more. I'll grow. I'll build upon that recognition, and I'll grow in you. John warns us of boasting about not having no sin, and if nothing else, in that boasting, he wants us to understand this morning that we are guilty of not recognizing what was freely given to us. In boasting that I'm the most righteous, or, and let's be honest, that was, that was Jesus' biggest problem with the Pharisee, right? You know, and it's not just about them saying that I keep all the laws, that I'm righteous, that I love God. See, Jesus had a real issue with them because... Just like, just like John is telling us this morning, it's not so much just to say we're righteous. 
And, it's, and, and, and truthfully, it's not just so much to say that, that we, 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 we're owed something. Knowing that we're not, that was Elihu's point to Job. He doesn't owe us anything. In fact, I think the message did a good way of saying that morning, so, this morning. So what if God just decide not to breathe? And that kind of puts it into perspective who we exactly are. So number one, we're not owed anything. We're not owed justice. We can't even understand justice if we read on. Seven, over 70 rhetorical questions, God just tells Job. And understanding this this morning, the main thing is not just for us, but to others. The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not just that we feel that we're righteous and and that we have this awesome relationship to God. If we negate what our neighbor needs, if we walk in an example that is incorrect, and we profess to be something that obviously we're not, we're just not hindering ourselves. We're hindering others. Jesus says, the blind leading the blind, what happens? They fall into ditch. Actually, if we translate that, it actually says, let them continue, because that is their choice. Let them continue being blind and leading others, because that's what they choose to do, because that is their, not just their mentality, that is their heart. Their hearts have been hardened. Stephen tell, told, tells the religious leaders, you, you stiff-necked with uncircumcised hearts. There's no room for God in there. And see, Jesus' real issue is, is that it's not just about us. We're, that example is wrong for others. So, you know, so that others are following that example of negative, not just negativity, but others are following that example that is wrong. And not just are we hindering ourselves and our relationship with God, we're also condemning others in doing so. So it's not just about saying, well, I'm righteous. If we're not righteous, we're saying that the principles of God, what does Elihu say this morning? Just because you refuse to live on God's terms, do you think he should start living on yours? So if we say, I love God, do we really understand what we're saying when we don't, when we don't grasp what he wants to do for us this morning? What, what are we really saying? Because it's, it's, it's easy just to say, well, if I, if, if I just say I'm righteous and I say I don't need you, that just makes you a liar. And we just say, hi, well, God's not a liar. He's completely holy. But the issue is, is in our life when we say, God, I love you, and we tell others, God, I love you. Or when we parade around Jesus' issue with the Pharisees and the Jewish religious leaders, we par parade around that we're something that we're not. We take the money. Take money that was supposed to be used for the church. And we, have, we other, have other ambitions for it. It's not just a matter of being dirty, and that's what Jesus says. It's not just, you know, what you do in the temple square. It's behind what we do behind closed doors because what Elihu tells Job and what Jesus tells his disciples is everything that is hidden will be uncovered. Elihu tells Job everything that is hidden in darkness will be revealed. His light uncovers it. What does John say this morning? When his light uncovers it, it's up to us what we're going to do about it. And whether it's, and Elihu and John are saying the same thing this morning. And it's not just about, 
realizing. It's what do we do after that realization. It's, it's not just, about, it's not just ab- about that moment in our life when we feel like we failed because that was not God's intentions. God knew we were going to fail. That's why he's already made preparation for us to succeed. That's why there's already a sacrifice. So it's not about those things that are being hidden. Even David had them. Even David had his issues. It's king after God's heart. You know what? When we read Job, see, we get really good perspective from these because sometimes, even though we do love God, we're not as righteous as what we think we are. Sometimes when we do love God, what, what, what did Elihu told Job last week? He said, God comes to a man two or three times. Maybe God is trying to get your attention, not for destruction, but for love for that relationship so you will realize something because he wants that relationship to be stronger he wants there to be a closer level of intimacy and what we have to realize this morning is that these things done these things are done because our heavenly father loves us and there's a purpose for it now granted understanding that purpose sometimes is difficult but what john wants us to understand this morning It's not that those issues are there. It's what we do about them. And we're going to get into how the translations break down, what John is truly saying this morning. If we love God, if we profess to love God, if we say that we've been changed, when we enter into that relationship, a greater relationship, when we leave the surface level and and begin our walk with God, when he begins to, to lead us down the path of righteousness that we find out is not really easy because when those hidden things become, start, begin to become revealed, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. The enemy wants you to feel like, have, the, have, that, have that feeling of guilt. And that's why it's important to realize what John is saying this morning it's not just about that they're there. It's that when they're revealed, what do we do about them? Whether Elihu tells Job, why don't you just tell God, you know what, God, I've sinned. Now let's move on. That's all that's required. Ask for, ask, ask for forgiveness. And that's what John is saying this morning too. My son had a spelling test last week. And every week for a spelling test, he studies all week long. Whether it says Nana or where, whether it's Lizzie, they... All week long, they write the words out, they write sentences to make sure they understand the words, and, and he knows all the words. He gets, he gets them right. Well, last week, he goes in to take his test, and for some unknown reason, he's not paying attention or something happens. Well, he misses two or three of the words, and he gets a 90. It's not a big deal. 90 is pretty good to me. <laughs> but anyways, um, so after he gets his grade back, he's, he's not satisfied with it. And he goes and tells the teacher, he says, can, can I retake my test? Well, she didn't take it seriously at first, obviously. You know what I mean? And it began to sink in, and she came back to him a little later, and she said, did you want to take your spelling test? He said, yeah, I'd like to retake it. He said, because I just know I can do better. He was like, I missed some of the words. And she was like, well, yeah, I guess if you want to. You know, what seven-year-old wants to retake a spelling test? Whatever. But the, but, the, but the thing is, is he retook the test, and he ended up getting 103 because he knew the words. You know, in our verses this week, John's going to reference that in our life, we, we kind of have the moments. 
You know, there, there has to be a situation in our life where in which growth occurs. We, we just can't walk and say that we're righteous and walk in the paths of righteousness because just upon that walk, it's, it's no different than faith. How, how, do, how do we find out that we have faith? Sometimes our Father has to test us. So that, our, you know, anything must, be, anything must be tested so that it can grow. Job is probably an extreme example this morning. But what John wants us to understand this morning, when we begin that walk and we enter into that relationship and we say we want a more substantial relationship with God, some things have to be uncovered. There has to be that process of purification. And what John wants us to understand, it's not so much about, you know, realizing that those spots are there. It's about realizing that we have been granted restoration. And who granted it to us? Who offers us our right standing? And more importantly this morning, um, how to respond to our sins when they are uncovered. You know, not just holding on to that that issue of guilt where we're like, well, God, you know, I thought I was better than what I was. You know, there's Jesus came for a reason. You know, God knew that we were not capable of, of well, why does, why does Paul spend so much time on, the, on writing about the law and reminding the Jews that they could not keep it? Why? Because it was a perfect law given by a perfect God. And it shows us one thing. It shows us that we need Christ. It shows us that we need it, that sacrifice for our sins. And more importantly, it shows us how much God loves us because he, he made preparation because he knew, we would, he knew that we would need these things. He knew that we would need Christ. And John wants us to look at this morning living a restored life and how to respond to that restored life after it has been restored. Because how we respond is going to prove to God, the word fellowship from last week, those things in common from last week, these things are going to show God if we're truly his child or not. Now, yes, you know what? God knows. God knows all things. God knew that, that, that if he sent his son, he knows if you're, going to say, if, you, if you're going to say yes and you're going to serve him for the rest of life. But you know what? God loves each and every one of us, and we have that opportunity. And what John is saying, if you truly get that, if you truly realize what your heavenly father is offering you, then you realize that you need him. So when these things are uncovered, what, what, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to deal with it? Or, or is arrogance going to come up? Because arrogance might come up. That might be some of that little hidden stuff that, that is brought to light that, that's difficult to deal with. In, in proving that you're wrong. You just don't really want to prove that you're wrong. And you know what? If it's not, and God loves you, and you want a deeper and a more intimate relationship, that's going to come up. God's going to deal with that, I promise you. God's going to deal with everything. If we pray and say, God, I want a more substantial relationship, look out. But you know what? It's for our own good. God tells us that. We have to admit that we are wrong. Why? We have to admit that we are wrong, so the one that is always right, can lead us correctly. If we can never admit that we're wrong, we're boasting. And obviously, we know we've been wrong before. Obviously. That's why we pray. Lord, guide me. Lord, direct me. Lord, I think I did something really stupid today. You know, and, and sometimes, if we go back to Job and Elihu and, 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 and the conversations going on, the thing is, is, 
what if, what if God really answered us sometimes some of the stuff we ask him? Look, he loves us, obviously. You know, and, and it's like a progression when we go from younger to older in what we pray and what we ask God for. You know, th- there becomes an understanding. But what about when we get to the level that we should be able to understand what is boasting? What is true righteousness? Elihu warns Job, he said, look, Job, you can be put in a position to where you can just forget. This is not condemnation. He's telling Job, he's like, Job, look. He said, you are a good man. You need to realize what is going on here. God really loves you. Maybe, maybe you've just missed something he's telling you. And out of his love, he is trying to remind you. He does this to men. He gives men dreams and scares them to death so they'll pay attention. So that we'll walk down the straight and narrow. And the older and the more mature, let's say, not just age we get with following our Heavenly Father, these areas must be exposed, these areas must be revealed to deal with it. Arrogance and pride is a huge one. You know what? Sometimes maybe they just don't even, we, we don't even realize that we have these certain things because we love God. And God, loving us, is going to put us in an uncomfortable position to try to deal with these things. Our verses this week, 1 John 1, 8 through 10. John says, if we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we are not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with light, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So verse 9, his light uncovers our sins. Like in Job, verses 22 and 23, Elihu reminds Job that evil cannot hide. Evil will be revealed by light, by pure light, not even in the deepest darkness. And John spends a long time before we get to this. He wants us to truly grasp who Jesus is, who the word is, who the light is. Exactly, because when he references these things, he wants us to truly understand what he is saying. What is pure light? What is true light? Who is the word? Who is the word about? Because if you don't understand who the word is about, you're not going to get what's, what he's trying to do in your life. You're not going to understand who the, what the full purpose of the, the, the spirit is. He's not leading you around like a bunch of minions. No, he wants you to achieve this purpose that he has designed for you Not out of because he needs you, but because he loves you. He wants that to grow inside of you so you can feel his purpose for your life. So you can feel that love and that intimacy because what John is saying, that is what is going to change your life. And who can guarantee this? The word. Because it's true. It's got a foundation. We can look in our own lives and see it come true and how much we're blessed. And who can guarantee this? The word. It was with God in the very beginning. All things were created through him. Nothing was created apart from him. He's been there forever. So that is who can guarantee it. But there must be pure light. So no darkness. And the more the darkness is removed, the more that the pure light shines in. And we have a closer and intimate relationship with God. But if we have fellowship, we must allow those areas to be searched and dealt with, John says. He reminds us it's not that we're not aware of them or not that we have them because we all have sinned. More importantly, he says he is just to forgive us. Unrighteousness. Now that word unrighteousness this morning, we're going to look at some translations, but it's important to realize 
that word and how it translates this morning in the way that John is using it. Unrighteousness in that context specifically deals with the areas that we're not aware of. So what he's saying is, when we, get, when we grow to maturity, we cannot claim, we need to be careful to, to claim that we are righteous because they, if we say that we want a deeper relationship with God, we're going to find out just how righteous we are probably. Where is all this stuff coming from? You know, you go out to clean house. And it does no good to clean house unless you're going to throw some stuff away. You know, we don't need to hoard things. If you like to hoard things, you can, you can come take some stuff from my farm. I've got plenty of mess I need to give you. you can, this, this is a whole barn full of hoarding mess. You know, but in order, if we want room, if, if, if we're going to make room for Jesus, if we say, you know, I want a new life or, or I'm going to serve you, there's, the old things are going to have to be removed. Light and darkness don't mix. It's going to stand out like a sore thumb. And see, a lot of this is for our benefit also because we cannot say we're wise or we cannot say that we're righteous. When, when those things are exposed, we're going to look like a liar. The truth is not going to be in us because if you know who God is, if you know what the word is, darkness and light don't meet. Good and evil don't mix. So there must be some cleaning this morning. It must be revealed. So we confess, we repent, so that our fellowship and our relationship can be restored. Now, the few words that come up this morning, one of them being sin, an obvious word, since we're dealing with this area right here. The Greek translation used here in John means an offense. The Hebrew in Job means the same thing, an offense. However, there is an attachment of habitual, which in Job, but when we apply that in John, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Sin, and it also deals with the sin offering being needed to repay the penalty. This is a guy Jesus wrote all over it. But when we take the habitual part and apply it to John this morning, What needs to be realized is, is that when there is that realization, what are we going to do, do about it? Are we going to let that light uncover it? Are we, are, are we going to deal with it? Or are we going to try to suppress it and try to cover it up with false righteousness? So in verse 10, meaning that we are avoiding the light, as John is saying, self-righteousness or choosing to remain out of fellowship with God. Now that's the, that's, that's the far spectrum of it. Whether we don't want to deal or we just, or we have that pride or we have that arrogance this morning. But what John, if we understand what the Bible tells us, just sin, sin is sin. And that's why it's so dangerous this morning. Sin, sin is a sin. This puts us in, in, in wrong standing before the Father. If, you know, his blood, his sacrifice for our sins put us in right standing because we have a sacrifice. When now something they're, they're in, in understanding those hidden things and why they're so dangerous in our life and why they need to be revealed. Because just, that, you know, how quickly in a moment of anger or arrogance, when, when someone, when we're supposed to be setting an example, comes to us and tries to try to tarnish or damage what we've got. 
just, just in that split second when, when something like that can be revealed. And see, that's how dangerous it is this morning. That's what John is warning us. You know, don't boast, don't brag, because there is going to have to be some things that are revealed so that we can have that more intimate relationship this morning. Because if we are not what we say we are, his word is not in us. It's plain and simple. John said it's, it's going to show. And if we don't let him deal with our sins and we just live however we want to, we'll live that example. It won't be consistent. It won't be consistent with the, with the words that, that he is using to guide us, just like John this morning. So we understand that spiritually, also, there must be an understanding. If there are hidden areas in our life that must be revealed, we, the physical is not going to do this on their own because the physical was unable to uncover those hidden areas. And to be honest with you, if there is never a spiritual, the physical is going to keep those areas suppressed this morning. It's just the way it is. We don't like to admit we're wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say, you know what, God, I, I love you. I'm going to serve you. But what about when the trials come knocking? What about when that is tested? What about when we tell God we want to grow and say, God, I want that deeper level of intimacy with you, and he tries it one time. See, it's easy to take a spelling test and learn everything. And then when we go to take it, get distracted, and was like, oh, well, I wrote these all week long. But see, in that split second, that split second could keep you from 103 to a 90, even though you know it. And see, John is telling us this morning, it's not as easy as what we think. Go to like Job. I know Job is like the is like is one of the harshest examples it is, but it just shows us this morning of how dangerous it is to to live being righteous. And and I don't want to say thinking because in thinking that we're righteous. You know, there, there, there has to be a moment in our life to where we, we submit and we just say, God, you know what, I don't, I don't fully understand what is truly needed. There has to be a moment of, not just of guidance, there has to be a moment of understanding. There has to be a moment of, of realization to where we say, God, you know what, I don't, this is not humanly possible. You know what God's going to say? God's going to do the thank you. That's the realization he was trying to get us to, to come to all along, to where the Spirit needs to come in. Why, why did Jesus tell us he was going to give us his Spirit? Because he already knew. See, the preparation has already been granted for our success. What John is telling us this morning is that he's just waiting on us. Timing. Yes, sometimes there's going to be areas that stress because God is trying to push us because we're dragging our feet. Because it's not popular to deal with those hidden areas. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it might tarnish our reputation a little bit. Because we're not as strong as what we think we are. But we're stronger than what we thought we were physically, spiritually, when we let God do these things. Because that is not humanly possible. Submitting to His Spirit is not an easy task. If so, we wouldn't have all these verses, all these letters to the church. Paul wouldn't tell the Galatians, it's like I've never even came. Because you're not listening, you're hard-headed. It's not an easy task. That's why John is telling us this morning and telling us to be careful not to boast because that is the natural, the physical, the fleshly, and the obvious thing to do when we don't want to pay attention and deal with those areas. 
So, understanding. Job 34, 16 and 17 from the Holman says, If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I have to say. Could one who hates justice govern the word world? Will you condemn the mighty righteous one? So Elihu says, then who are you really asking now? So let's put this in perspective, Job. Understanding, which means to separate mentally, acknowledge, to know, or to perceive. His Spirit grants us the understanding through our fellowship is what John is saying. Job 34, 10 from the Holman. Therefore, listen to me, you men of understanding. It is impossible for God to do wrong and for the Almighty to act unjustice. So there's two translations of understanding, but both of them. The first one means to separate mentality, to separate a mentality, to acknowledge, to perceive. We're beginning to view things differently. Not the old way, the new way. The, the, the second understanding this morning translates to an understanding coming from a heart. So obviously, regardless whichever one we take, what Elihu is referencing this morning and when he is speaking to these men about having understanding and having wisdom, it's not just human. There is a different involvement. Someone else is granting us our understanding. And John's saying this morning, it's not the matter that you didn't have the correct understanding before. Christ already knew that. If you're still stuck on that, the enemy's got you where he wants you, and you're just wallowing in self-pity. And you better watch out wallowing in self-pity because you know what self-pity can lead to if we're not real careful? Self-righteousness. That's how dangerous it is. And that's what John is telling us this morning. So let's grow. It's not the fact that you didn't recognize it. It's not the fact that you need it. Each and every one of us need it. Let's just move on because he loves you. And in confession, there's a re there is that process of restoration. Restoration in our fellowship with the Father. Because you know what? When we feel like we're giving him something we couldn't handle, we're actually humbling ourselves, and he can use that because we're submitting into him. So, the last word this morning is righteousness, right standing before God. The Hebrew translation means to clear self, justify, make right morally. I'm going to be honest with you. That's a pretty tall water reading it from the perspective of Job. And that's what Elihu was warning Job about this morning. In verse 9, we're going to go to John this morning. But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We'll continue to cleanse. It's an important part in that, in that verse right there. Because it's not a one time and it's done. It's a, it's a walk. It's a relationship. It's a lifetime. A purpose throughout life. So we'll continue to cleanse in that process, in that walk, and in that lifestyle. It's not where we habitually sin, when we go back to the, the translation of sin, but we let those hidden areas become exposed. We confess he restores us. And in that restoration, we go back to fellowship and we are made right. Job 34, 32 from the Holman says, Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I won't do it again. Elihu tells Job, he said, Job, that's, that's, that's all you have to say. It's, it's literally that simple. 
It's not about where we feel like we're granted righteousness or if it's not. It's, it's justice. Paul says, aren't you glad that, that, that God found justice in his son? That is like the, we're worried. We read Job and we're worried about the worst case scenario. And Paul said, let me just give you the, the, the best case scenario of, of how salvation has occurred, how God has dealt with our sins. It is through Christ. We don't know of the first thing about justice. You know, God has handled every bit of this for us. You want a fair trial? And see, that's kind of the issue when we begin to deal with these sins. It's like we realize how much we need God, but if we're not careful, that spirit of unworthiness might will come in. But see, the fact of the matter is, if, if, if we dwell on that, we have missed the whole point what, what John is saying this morning. That, that, those things are going to be uncovered. That's the way it's supposed to work. God wants that to happen. Because when them things become uncovered, how are we going to act upon that? That's all that matters. John wants us to understand that. It's not about boasting. It's not about trying to cover them up. And there's a lot of repetition in here. In fact, John says continually cleansing. It's a continual thing. It's a process. Because we know that we need him. And understanding that, we allow him to do these things. And that's what proves if we are a child of God, there will never be any fruit bore unless we allow him. It's not just about building a foundation. We should all have testimonies, but that testimony should never stop. It should be where we're going from here. If God has done this, and see, that's what John is saying this morning. If we understand what God is doing in our life, you know what, sometimes it's not even the point that we're going to fully understand, but yet there has to be faith involved. Because even if we look at King David, I was going to go to 1 Samuel and, and uh, I mean 2 Samuel this morning before I went to Job. And this is how serious this is. 2 Samuel, it says that, or 1 Chronicles, either one, the stories overlap, it's told twice. Satan tempted David, and David took a census out on the troops. You know, it starts, the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Because David was guilty of putting his trust in the numbers instead of putting his trust in God. Just another example. A man who's, who's run from Saul when he's anointed for king, he's seen the work of God time and time again in his life. And you know what? God gives David three choices. You can have a famine, you can be at the hands of your enemy, or you can have a plague. David says, Lord, I want, I want to be in your hands because I want, I, want, I want to be in the hands of your mercy. What, what we find is there's a danger. There's a danger, there's a danger. And when John writes, of, of, everybody wants to be in a position to where we feel like God can use us. God, why is this taking so long? God, if you have a purpose for my life, then we should be moving forward, should we not? Well, John says there has to be a process. There has to be a purpose because if not, what God is, God is probably protecting us from ourselves because there are some things that are just haven't been dealt with yet so that we can move forward. It's not God's fault, I promise you. And God, and more importantly, if we go to Job this morning, we find out that God is doing this because he loves us. He is fixing things that need to be fixed that don't even concern him, but yet God wants to use us because he loves us. So don't blame God. 
Just let him work on those areas that need to be dealt with so he can use us. We go to Hebrews, the sixth chapter this morning in closing. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, it teaches us that it is time to move from the basic message of Christ and to advance into perfection. And it tells us we do this by God's enablement. We cannot do this by our own. Through God's enablement, we will move into deeper truths this morning. Like my father has been preaching and teaching about for weeks, we need to upgrade to an excavator. We need to leave a shovel and upgrade to an excavator. We know if you've ever owned equipment, equipment is crazy nice. It makes our life a lot easier. But, but what John is saying this morning, what Elihu is saying this morning, what Hebrews is saying this morning is, what must you do if you buy a piece of equipment to make your job and your life easier? You've got to maintain it. Do you not? There, you have to grease it. You have to clean it. You have to wash it. If you open the side up or if you open panels up on that piece of equipment, there is a schematic to grease that piece of equipment. Why? Because without maintenance, it will not run properly and it will not achieve the purpose you bought it for. It's going to break down. It's going to tear up. It comes with the manual so that these things can be accomplished. If you never read the manual and you never service the piece of equipment, how long will it ever truly last you? Probably not very long, you know. And that's what John is saying this, this morning. There has to be a routine maintenance in our life. There has to be a recognition because when that maintenance is performed, it is a process of purification. God is working in our life, cleansing it, maintaining it, putting light on those areas that need to be repaired so that when we work for the Lord, we will be effective. Because a piece of equipment is no good if it sits under the shelter because it is broke down. It's not making you any money at all. And if we understand what Christ has given us this morning and what he wants to do through us, do we really appreciate it? Well, yeah, if we do, what do we do? We allow that maintenance because we understand that it's needed. You know, nothing sucks than digging through a whole schematic, a whole diagram I used to hire a guy to service a piece of equipment for me, and everybody's like, man, you can't change the oil yourself. Yeah, I could change the oil myself. Changing the oil is the easy part. That's simple. You know how many grease fittings is on the back of a trencher? There's like 20 or 22, and you got to dig around. It, it literally takes a couple hours to find all them attachments under the back. Or how about an excavator? Up underneath all the turntables, and there's like 10 just on one little strip right here. And I was worried about missing one. And see, that's the issue. We will miss one, and that's what John is telling us. There are hidden things that we have missed. We cannot do this ourselves. That's why we need to let God in our life do that maintenance so that we can be effective. There's nothing wrong with moving up to an excavator. God wants to put you in a place of success in your life, not just money. Because money will never make you happy. See, what God has to do, and God loves you so much, God is going to convince you and show you through your walk with him what he is doing through you. Because, see, the physical will never satisfy. It has to be a spiritual, and that's how we achieve, through that true level of intimacy this morning, happiness. It's not just by money and material and possession things. Yeah, Job was restored. But it wasn't so much about the restoration. It was about the process that he went about his restoration so that when he was restored, he would realize what God did through him. And that's what God wants us to do in our life. That's why this is so difficult, and that's why this walk means so much. Because God is proving to us 
that he has a purpose this morning for each and every one of us. And we would never listen to him if we didn't go through this process. Well, how do you know? Because it took us this long, first of all, to get here. I mean, let's just be honest. We cannot rely on our own acts. We can self-righteousness, boast about our righteousness. That's easy to do, isn't it? Just think back. I told a guy the other day, I said, you know, it's, 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 it's not really hard to sin. To sin, you literally not have to, you don't have to do anything, you know. And that's the truth. You know, you could, you could buy a piece of equipment that worked great for a little while. You could roll on for how long you reckon it lasts, six months or a year, depending on how much you used it. You know what's going to happen? Day is going to come, that thing's going to quit. And you know what happens? Something quits most of the time when you really need it the most, right? That's why you bought a good piece of equipment. You just didn't go buy a piece of junk, right? Because you know you're going to need it. And see, things in our, sometimes God puts things in our life to get us to realize. Because he knows that we can do re- something really awesome for us. See, it's our own mind that puts us in a position that we need this position. We don't need that position. If we did, God would be leading it to us. See, we don't, see, our problem is we think I need to be here, I think we need to be over there, and we forget where God has brought us from because from bringing us for us, he had that purpose in the very beginning. He's already training us for us. Look back. Look at that progression. And see, we turn around one day and we say, when we continually let that cleansing, that maintenance in our life take place, we're like, what are we going to say? We'll say, man, that was awesome. I can't believe you did all that. But getting to that point is the difficult part. And so how do you know? John, Job, Romans. That's why there's all these references to that. Because it's not that easy. And it cannot be done through the natural. And there must be an excavator. But there must be maintenance if there is an excavator. Because that maintenance It's what makes us run correctly, operate correctly for our Heavenly Father. I want to close this morning with Hebrews 6, 7 through 12. This has an awesome way of putting it. It says, For men's hearts are just like the soil that drinks up showers which often fall upon it. Some soil will yield crops as God's blessings upon the field. But if the field continues to produce only thorns and thistles, a curse hangs over it, and it will be burned. Having said that, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from your salvation. I'm going to read that one more time. Having said that, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from your salvation. There is purpose in your salvation for your life. This is not an opinion. The Bible continually says that. For God the faithful one is not unfair. He cannot forget his beautiful work you have done for him. He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of your name. How do you prove that you love the Father? You serve him. And it's not just about yourself. You show others. So we can't live a lie because if we live a lie, then we don't love God. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. I'm going to close with one more 
translation this morning. Yeah, I stayed up all night digging through the dictionary because I just think it is crazy cool that these guys pick one specific word and shove it in that place right there, and they can say 15 things with just one word. Man, there was a lot, there, there was a lot of work put into John 1, 7, 1, 8, 1, 9, 1, 10. It's just one Bible verse, but it's God's perfect word. It's just proven how true it is. But look, this is, this is crazy cool when I found out. Hearts to grow dull. In that part right there. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose enthusiasm. Hearts to grow dull or, which translates into Greek, or dull hearts. Is aromatic. In the Aramaic, it's nothros. And it's taken from the root word meaning illegitimate child. That's where the meaning comes from. But what this is truly saying this morning, if we are faithful and patient in our endurance, we are not a child of illegitimacy, but we are a child of intimacy. See, that's why that is so important. You know, we are aware. This is proving whether or not we're a legitimate child of God this morning, whether or not we go dull. Because a true child of God, what do they do? They maintain their relationship. They let the light. A child of God is not dull. He is guided by light. So we prove if we are a child that is connected with intimacy to the Father, fellowship. That's why John uses all these words, fellowship, common. This morning, because there has to be something that connects us to the Father if we are one of His children. And what is that? It's the Word and the light. Because that's how we're guided. That's how we prove. That's how we know we're light. And you know who reveals that to us? His Spirit. We cannot do this ourselves. We do not even need to try. We will struggle. We will struggle and we'll struggle and we'll turn around and we'll blame God. Be like, God, I thought all this was going to happen when I got saved. And God said, Saved was just the beginning. You have a purpose. See, we lie to ourselves, and the enemy will let us stay right in that, right, right in that moment this morning, lying to ourselves, because we'll never achieve our purpose. That's his purpose. God's purpose is no matter how uncomfortable we are this morning, to get us to that point to where we allow him to deal with those hidden areas so that we can move into our purpose. And what do you call that? You call that love. Because if he didn't love us. He wouldn't put us in those positions and try so hard. Just look back at your life and see how much effort God has taken for just you. And that'll prove that to you yourself. How many times? See, we read the verse, he left the, the, the 99 to find the one, and I was that one. Oh, thank you, God. Be careful. Don't boast about your righteousness this morning. Because if we don't take it seriously, that's what we're doing. We're negating what he has done for us. But if we don't grow dull... And I promise I'm closing with this. And we did that, that light come in this morning. What does it prove to us? That we are a child of intimacy that is guided by his perfect spirit and his perfect light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word and we thank you for the perfection in it. Father, I ask as we walk out in this week that we are guided correctly, God. That we are guided and we allow that guidance because we are a child connected through your love directed by your light, because we have that fellowship, we have that intimacy with the Father, and he has a purpose for each and every one of our lives this morning, because he loves us, and he wants to use us, not just, not just for his benefit, but for our benefit, so that we will grow in him, we will build upon that foundation, and that just doesn't include us, it includes others, so that we'll lead others to join in, in that giant family, so that we'll connect it. So we all may reach heaven. And we thank you for your word. 
And we ask that your spirit guide us as we, as we walk into this week, God, that, that we allow that maintenance, that we allow that, them areas to be uncovered so that we can be greater and more productive servants for you, achieving your purpose you have for each and every one of our lives. We love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, and give you all the glory in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.